Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I'm joined by Issam and Twan. Hello. Hey everybody. And man, do we have a lot to talk about because we have seen two amazing races today in the Super Prestige held at the Merckx Plus. The men's race is the first one that we are going to discuss and it was an absolutely cracker. So Issam, tell us about it. Yes, the fourth race of the Super Prestige and Merckx Plus it was and uh, it was a little bit... Um, it was it was wet on the parkour, it was uh, muddy on the parkour for the men's race. Uh, in the beginning we had Toon Aarts, who was an excellent teammate for uh, Van der Haar, leaving a big gap in the first lap of 20 seconds. And after that first lap, I was like, this is going to be the winner of the race, but it wasn't. Lauren Zweig was very strong and was able to close that gap with Toon Aarts uh, and, and Van Toeren out. Uh, they joined the front uh, with Van der Haar, of course, who was already leading around round five. And even Iserbeet, who had um, a bad start, by the way, um, and was a little bit yo-yoing, uh, to be honest, to, together with Van Turnout, actually, joined that group. Um, they all managed to get back, and actually, uh, Telenet went from a dream scenario to the reality of being outnumbered again. Um, at several cases, it were several guys that were looking strong. Swake had his strong moments. Then it was actually Arts uh, close in the close stages that, that attacked, that tried something. He didn't manage to get that gap. And then out of nowhere, it was Van Turen out. Um, several times he was very close. This time he tried to attack before the last lap and he got that gap. Uh, it seemed that Arts was going to chase him and, and get him back, but Arts did not, had nothing left and just couldn't follow uh, Van Turen out. Van Turen out managed that last lap. He was able to get that gap. He was able to hold that gap and he was able to win the fourth manch of, of the, the Super Prestige in Merckx Plus. Um, behind him, it was Iserbeet that got second place. And in a very, very, very close sprint, and I think for the mental health, it's not going to be good for Tonarts. It was Sveik that got that winning, um, that, got, that got the third place in the sprint, and from uh, Arts is going to be fourth, or was fourth. So we really saw a great race with a lot of tactics coming into play during this race. So I would like to have your thoughts about this, um, especially uh, in the beginning. They didn't look to do the right thing, but then somehow it turned. What did you guys think of uh, the tactics that both teams used in this race? Uh, the tactics in this race made for some truly incredible watching. Uh, I, I think uh, the quick start of Van der Haar really seemed promising, especially for Art, as they seemed to uh, get seem to have gotten the opportunity to play some team tactics uh, something they haven't really been able to do in the past weeks uh, this was of course mostly left to uh, the Paul Sauze team uh, unfortunately uh, it, it seemed like Van der Haar wasn't quite good enough the uh, course was a little bit too tough to do on your own the whole time and uh, he slowly got back I think the Paul Sauze team uh, started playing it better and better as the race went on. I think they started exceptionally poor, but it, it made for some great racing, so I really appreciate that from them. I think as well um, that Van der Haar was indeed not really um, able to to use that situation and win the race in the end. Uh, he even said after the race that because of those team tactics and the way he played them, that he had thrown away uh, maybe a, a, a potential podium position. Um, I think that that maybe the wrong guy was sent in front. Uh, I think that maybe if they would swapped it and Van der Haar was the one 
holding them up and it was Tonarts that was that got away maybe they could have done uh, a little bit better and it would have been Tonarts that maybe got the win or something you know it could have been playing out different but uh, at this moment I think they just have to face the reality that everything they are trying at this point they come back to the same problem and the same problem is that they are getting outnumbered by by the Pao Saos and it's just at the moment that when you have tactics getting getting used in in a race there is no one better than Pao Saos at this point but how did they let themselves get outnumbered because at some point van der Haar was gone then okay Sway can close the gap with Arts okay but Isabit he had a really bad moment he even looked to be out of GC he was in seventh place and yet somehow they managed to allow Sveik to take the lead and then drop the pace so big that first Van Tournout closes 10 seconds and Isabit closes 20 seconds. I mean, that's not smart, is it? No, in terms of tactics, it's not really that smart. I mean, um, they should have done it. They should have played it different. I think the moment that Swaik and Arts joined, um, joined Van der Haar, you know, it was clear that Swake at that moment knew that he was outnumbered by the by the Telenet boys, and he knew that he had to let Van Turnhout first of all uh, come back. Um, so he tried everything to do that, and he he, he took the lead immediately. Van der Haar was trying to get in front, but in the end, you just see that uh, that they know how to play those tactics better than 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 Van der Haar. Van der Haar was really out of his element at that point. Didn't know what he was doing, trying to get in front and looking behind. And then he was at a certain point, if I remember correctly, he he there was a gap between um, Van der Haar, Swake and and Tone Arts, who was on a gap, and he didn't notice until the end. And he looked behind. Swake takes over. Again, the whole pace goes out and just. You know they they played it so smart. I think I think most credits for this Van Turnout win has to go to Swake because he played a big role uh, for Iserbeet and and Van Turnout to come back. Yes, because you saw the few times that um, Swake, I think two or three times in a corner, he went so slow. I mean, I don't know if it was even it was about to they were about to fall off their bike. That's how slow they went easy three or four seconds gain in just one corner and that a couple of times Van Turnout did it later on again but that was when he was leading trying to create a gap which in the end kind of worked they did come back but he did open a small gap then I think it was with three laps to go ish some I mean I don't really know if it's really sportsman like to do those time types of tactics of course it's allowed but you could see a big difference i think that arts and van der haar they were more trying to play it fair whilst you could see these guys from paulsau so they look to be willing to do more for it taking more risks taking some overtakes whether i think about i mean it's not the right moment or the right place to do it using your shoulder to get through those stopping things it's not really the common team tactics or tactics that you see between riders and i don't really know if that's how we would want this sport to be at some point i also just wonder why like if we're going to go in that route like you say like people barging each other out of the way putting a shoulder in there i wonder how far away we are from someone just like taking a rocket start like Van der Haar did and instead of Don Arch just 
like slowly slowing everyone down and just taking it like pretty easy but when is it going to be one day where it's just like not really that wide where you can just put your bike across the road and just stop everyone like that if if that's allowed i I think that it's indeed uh <laughs> there is going to be there is going to be a point where um it's going to be criticized at this moment we're still not there at that point i i have to say i love it because we have to um i i think that the race would have been less excited if there w there was not this event taking place if there was no tactics if it was pure uh racing i mean some would disagree with me but i personally like the entertainment part um but but yes i think in terms of of safety and and ruling as well uh, it, it there comes a moment where you have to maybe look into the situation and say okay well uh can you put someone in a dangerous position what what's going on and at this moment, we still didn't reach that, but at some point, maybe we can reach that point. It was for sure definitely on the limit. Some could argue it's over, but I would say this is about the limit. You can't go much further because we have seen Easy Beat two times going in that corner on the cobbles, that 90 degree right hander. Because he's smaller, he just tried to come like under arts or in the sandpit we saw it the, on this side shot that for absolutely no reason Easybeat puts his shoulder into arts in the hope that arts crashes or needs to get off his bike so um the guy in front probably would have been van tournout would have gotten a gap i mean especially that move in the sand it was just unnecessary i think uh the move in the sand it can be a product of circumstance like for example he, he could just have caught a bat rut and just gotten swung to the right a little uh but certainly if you if uh there is reason to believe that he did this on purpose then it should be something that we look at because that's just simply not fair well i think we've talked enough about the tactics Michael van Tour now taking his first win here in a race that counts towards any classification. It's his fourth win ever, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely some uh, good stuff for him that he can finally take the uh, win here. What do you guys think this... I mean, the win meant a lot to him, but what do you guys think this win means for the future for him? I think a lot of confidence, for sure. Um, he he did a lot for the team. He did a lot for, for, for Ezerbeat and for Swake. Uh, he played a big role in 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 this team so far, and um, you know I think especially for his confidence, uh, this this might be that push that he needs to 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 be able to get to get those next few victories out. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, I think uh, up until now, for me especially, I I, I didn't think he would be capable of winning a race or if he would win a race it would be a race like the Koppelberg where it really is a bit of more of a climbing parkour so I think um, for the team as Paul Sousen this is huge uh, he's shown that he can well actually be better than Tone Arts uh, we might have like seen it in small instances this season but this is just that big confirmation and I think everyone will be uh, full of confidence after this and it will become even harder for Tone Arts to actually achieve anything this year. But it could also work both ways, that now Van Tournout knows he can win races, and uh, he will be a bit more confident, and in the pre-race briefing he will say, why are we going for Easybeat? I won last week, I want my shot. And Zweig will say, yeah, well, last week 
I did a lot of work, why can't we go for me? So it could potentially cause a few cracks within the team, but I mean, I definitely think it's good for Fantour now that he finally um, lit up that potential that we all saw in 2016 when he won the polder course in Kruijbeek, uh, beating Wout van Aert in a 1v1 uh, battle there. I think it's definitely good for him that finally he knows that he's back at least at that level that he hit there. Yeah, and I think um, he he had he had so many second and third places. I mean, he is a guy that that has regularity being in the top five. So yeah, it's not a um, it's not a it's not really a, a good uh, situation, or it's a very good situation for him that he is able to do that. Yes, I think so as well. But then we should take a look at the entire top 10 because we already saw that Van Tournaut was the winner in front of Isabit, Zweig and Aert. Then we see two Dutch riders. It's Van Kessel in front of Van der Haar. Then we see Orts, who probably had the race of his life, ending in 7th. Niels van der Putten 8th, Daan Soeter 9th and Dieter Zweig rounds of the top 10. I already mentioned it. Orts riding an absolute stunner of a race in 7th. You could see him... Like every lap coming through the corner there of the up to the straight, seeing the leaders, and you could see this look in his eyes. Whoa, is that the lead? What am I doing here? <laughs> he was very surprised indeed <laughs> that uh, he that he was seeing um, the front of the pack so close. Um, he normally doesn't see them, but uh, now he he was able to to stay very close to him, and I think it's it's very good for him. A lot of confidence that he's getting out of that race. Uh, but overall, he did a very good race. I mean, it's not only because they had the team tactics and stuff that he that he was able to capitalize on that. He also just rode a very good race. Uh, and um, maybe, you know, we, we never know, but this, these are the type of races he really likes and maybe he can one time uh, get that top five. Yeah, I think uh, Ors has done a superb job here today. Um, of course, we see some... Names that were not really all that used to here um, today as well in uh, the other cross uh, at the women's side. Uh, certainly done a good job and I think he can be proud of this. Uh, and uh, I, I hope he can build on this and continue just uh, getting some solid top 10s here. One of those names being Dieter Zweig who finished in 10th. Uh, quite a good performance by him, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think he has really been improving. Uh, of course, now hitting the age of 27 as well. So maybe finding his stride a little more, of course, uh, had to move teams after uh, Paul Sauze cut ties. And luckily he found a home uh, with uh, Credit Shop Freestad. And he's been doing an all right job, uh, some 13th places and now a top 10. Um, yeah, get, getting to the peak of his career, I guess. And of course, another impressive performance by... Um... Niels van der Putten ending in eighth here. <clears throat> ending in eighth here. It's definitely uh, good. And I think someone like Dieter Zweig, Niels van der Putten, they took advantage that some guys that usually were there, like Ryan Kamp, that they um, had a nasty crash. And that could bring us to the next topic that we have. The crashes. There were quite some crashes uh, today with uh, quite some potential injuries as well. What did we think uh, about that? Uh, was it uh, maybe some rider mistakes or... Was there uh, some safety issues on that uh, downhill? I think the hole on the downhill definitely caused some safety issues uh, that that shouldn't be there. Uh, of course, it is a so it 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 is always a little bit the rider's mistake because plenty of riders did go left and right. 
but I, I think they should have tried harder to fix that uh, hole in between the men's and the women's race. I think definitely what was, uh, in, in my opinion, a little bit risky was after the, um, after the start when you had the couple section there. Um, especially at the start when it was when it was wet by the men's race, it was um, <laughs> it, it, it was weird that nobody crashed there. In the end, there was I think two guys at the back that crashed, or one guy really um, had some issues and was taken to to the hospital. I think um, the other guy could continue, and we had of course Maine that had a that had a nasty crash, as well as Camp, uh, who uh, in the end still finished the race. I think the same was for for Maine. Um, but they were, you know, they, they, they were, they were not on their full potential, I guess, because of that crash, the crash really hurt them and they were not able to, to continue the race like they supposed to. I think it was just very unfortunate that the rain, it probably wiped out a bit of a loose section there. Um, and it caused that hole. It's not easy to fix, but it looked like most of the riders didn't know that that hole was there in the beginning. So it probably formed after they had done the reckon of the parkours and going towards the race. Um, that that somewhere where that uh, hole um, was, yeah, somewhere there. That was the moment that that hole was created, and unlucky that they didn't know it. Hopefully, um, the likes of Cameron Mason and Thomas Main are all fine. So. That would at least be good for their season because the Under-23 World Cup is starting next week. But that will be for our preview podcast. Then we should talk about the women's race because we already talked about this exciting men's race. But the women's race was almost as exciting. Twan, tell us uh, what happened in that race. At the start, we see another very good start by Celine Delcamer Alvarado. This is something that we definitely couldn't say about Denise Betsma, unfortunately, completely missing her start. As uh, we go through the first lap uh, at start finish again, uh, we see that uh, Betsma wasn't even within the first 15 places. Uh, it was uh, Brandt that was with Alvarado, worst being slightly off the back after a bad sand section, and that would really set the tone for the entire race. Anne-Marie Worst uh, kept on having to chase after the sand section, even if she had fought back a little bit. And Alvarado and Brandt really seem to be fighting it out uh, with a big mistake from Brandt there in the second to last sand section. Uh, she nearly fell back all the way to Denise Betsma who was riding a superb race, a real uh, comeback on there. But uh, it wouldn't quite pay off as Alvarado went into the last lap. She unfortunately crashed twice and uh, that is why Brandt was able to overtake her and uh, Denise Betsma as well. And Lucinda Brandt would go on to claim victory ahead of Betsma and Alvarado. That was a great race indeed, and you already mentioned it, Alvarado crashing twice in the last lap. She really gave away a victory there. She herself said that in the first one she did nothing wrong, the second one was a mistake caused by tiredness, but do we really think it's tiredness? Because I was watching with Issam, and Issam thought um, that there could have been something with her wheel. Um, maybe you should share that with us. Yeah, we, we watched the race together, and... Um we could see that uh, i think one or two laps before the last lap she had a um, she, she went down the, the the descent where you normally uh, where where Brandt was running uh was running it down uh, some take the go on the bike and go with the bike uh, downhill there on that descent where you also have to run a lot with the stairs 
I don't know, but she she went there pretty aggressively. She didn't land well, and I think the it, it, it might either be that the front wheel had a had a small bend in it, and or there was something wrong, uh, maybe a slow puncture or something. I, I don't think that it was p only her mistake. I think maybe the fatigue helped with with the mistakes she made. But I definitely think that that there was also something wrong with the bike, and you know, at you know it was it was still um, she she had the time to go and change the bike, especially after such a hard hit. Uh, you don't know how the bikes how the bike is reacting on that. You know, now it was a crash. Maybe next time is a chain uh, that falls off. You really have to be careful with those with those shocks and. Um, be you know be willing to to change your bike it's a shame for her because she could have won here now she finishes third and uh, for us it's at least good because uh, the super prestige classification has become even tighter between brand and alvarado Vorst looks to be out of this but as we already said alvarado lost it by crashing twice Petsma also lost it by having a bad start not the first time this season what is causing her to have these bad starts and why is this happening so often? Of course, she has to start from quite a way back since uh, last year she missed out uh, missed out on a load of races because of her suspension and thus a load of points. And she is, of course, slowly moving her way back up there. And I think she's just having a lot of trouble starting in traffic. And uh, yeah, that, that's costing her a lot of power and I think costing her wins at this point. She was after after the the race and the interview. She said that she was very happy with the result. That she didn't expect it, which which make makes me crazy because I'm like, you could have won this race uh, if you just had a little bit better start. You were the strongest. So why are you why are you happy? You shouldn't be happy. Um, but I mean, it's that's on a personal level. That's how you. That's everybody how they would look into a race, I guess. But it was just a little bit weird. Well, let's hope for Betsema that she can solve this uh, issue that she has at the start uh, a couple of times now. So um, next week in uh, Tabor or um, where's the other? Kortrijk, doesn't matter which one or both maybe she's riding. Let's hope she can solve that because she does look strong and it would be nice to see her at the front. Somebody else who looked to be better this week than last week, a lot better actually, is Sanne Kant ending fifth. She uh, probably responded to the critics uh, that she got this week from Paul Herreigers. Uh, she answered uh, them by uh, smashing the pedals, finishing fifth today. Do you guys think uh, she's on her way back uh, to the top, or is this uh, just an incident? I think this is her peak. Um, I don't think she will get back to the level where she can challenge the four Dutch women that we currently see in the top four. And... Uh, I, th I think this is her type of parkour where she should be doing well. And that is why she's able to get a fifth place out of it. Uh, I think it was a good performance from her. She uh, There was a race that suits her. Uh, it's too early to say if this is her you know, peak performance. Um, but you know, she really showed that she still has, <laughs> she has some abilities left. Um, indeed, these type of races where she's very good at that she might uh, can get a can get a podium out of it. Uh, now she only managed fifth, which was still a very good performance, I think, uh, and definitely a, a good way to show the criticasters, look, I'm still here, I'm still riding, I'm still worth my money, and um, 
you know, I, uh, I I don't care what you're saying. I'm just going to try to do it. And it's a very good answer. And I mean, let's hope for her as well uh, to that she's able to get a podium out uh, this season. It would be good because even though I'm Dutch, it's kind of getting boring to see all these Dutch women at the front. But on the other hand, it's not boring at all because they battle. But a battle with Sonne Kamp in between the, um, those girls would make it maybe even more fun. But let's hope for her that she can improve and let's hope for Belgium that she can improve as well. Because soccer cross without any Belgians in the front, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it doesn't, and the re the rivalry is also very good. Huh? But like last year as well, or I mean the year before, with Kant being up there with the Dutch riders, it was also very fun to see. So, you know, let's hope that uh, she's able to get back to that level at least. Let's take a look at the entire top ten. Then it was Brandt who took her third win of the season in front of Betsema, Alvarado, and Vorst. Then we already mentioned Kant who finished fifth. Then we saw Yara Kastelijn in 6th, Manon Bakker in 7th. Then we find NAK, Puk Pietersen and Klozel who finishes the top 10. If we look at this, we have some names that we haven't seen in the top 10 that often. One of them being NAK. She looks to have found some of her form back that she had last year. Didn't have the greatest starts, um, start to her season this year. But now 8th place. Definitely good to see, and especially for the team uh, that they finally get a top 10 result again. It's not the type of parkour that suits Kay, to be honest. And uh, to get a top 10 is, is very promising for her. Finally getting back in the rhythm, I guess. Um, she, had a, she had a tough start, managed a few top 10s here and there. Um, but now maybe this is um, the first race uh, to, to, to the top 5s, maybe. Also a strong performance by Puck Pietersen, ending ninth. One of the only ones to jump the barriers, so that's good by her. And also a decent race once again by Clausel and Rochette. Definitely good to see um, that there are some new riders coming into the mix for that top 10 place. And we should keep an eye out on them in the future, because especially Kay and Pietersen, they have some growing margin. And Clausel as well, because she doesn't ride cyclocross at this level for that long. Well, I think we've had it all for the Super Prestige at the Merckx Plus then, unless Isam or Tuan still want to say anything. Yes, I want to say one thing. <laughs> I don't know if Eurosport is watching, but um, it's Laurens Sveik and not uh, Laurent Sveik. <laughs> That's just terrible, but yeah. Or Lucinda Brandt. Yeah, I think I think they can do, uh, they, they, they can... Um... Maybe um, ask us a little bit about the pronunciations because they <laughs> they have some completely wrong. Uh, but yeah, that's all. Well, then I'm still going to give our listeners some other results because for the first time in quite a long time, there were also some C2 races outside of Belgium. We had the Toy 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 Cup in the Czech Republic held in Yisin. And the men's race was won by Jakob Dorigoni in front of Michael Boros and Jakub Riemann. The women's race there was won by Joyce van der Beke in front of Anne Morchiron and Carla Stepanova. Well, that's a hard name. There was also another cross in Poland. I don't know where that was held in Gosein. And the men's race there was won by Marek Konwa in front of Batovs Milker. And Wout Vervoort completed that podium. Not a lot of real known names 
competing there. But in the women's race, there were a bit more common names. We saw Catablanca Vaz absolutely dominate there, winning by almost two minutes over Susanne Verhoeven and Paulina Royakers and the third three and a half minutes down. Can't wait for Vaz to come back uh, next weekend and compete uh, with those because that definitely looks promising. Just 10 finishers as well. Yeah, not the most contested races, but that probably means that there's some nice UCI points up for grabs there, and that's probably the reason that they went there. Well, I think we've had it all then for this episode of the Cyclocross Um, Social Podcast. Unless Twan still wants to say something. You missed the race in Japan. Twan, thanks for the info, and especially for you, I will give them the winners. In the men's race, it was Hiri Oda who won, and in the women's race, it was Mio Imai who took the win there. But this time, I think we've really had it all. Isam and Twan, thanks for uh, joining me once again today. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for hosting. And with that said, I think we are ready to prepare for next weekend. Finally, the first double header of the season. It feels super strange to say that as it's the last weekend of November. Also coming up next week, the return to cyclocross of Wout van Aert and Tom Pitcock. A lot to look forward to and of course we will be having a preview on that weekend. Maybe even two previews for both races. One coming up for you later this week and of course next week we will have a double episode in the weekend as well. When we discuss what happens in Kortrijk and in Tabor. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week and goodbye.